Please listen carefully. And now, live from the attic that smells like a basement in McKinney, Texas, it's the Assuming Positions Podcast, featuring four left feet performing a tango of trivia, Kevin and Mikey. Hey everybody, welcome to the Assuming Positions Podcast. Kevin over here. And Mikey over here. And today on the podcast, we're doing something fun. We decided we go to anime conventions a lot. But we don't, this isn't like a directly anime podcast. We don't talk about anime tons. We're rectifying that this season of shows, though. Yeah. Anime, when we talk about it, comes up sporadically. Sporadically. Clueless word. But now we're doing it intentionally. Yeah. We talked about it here and there. We've talked about this particular studio, Studio Ghibli. Mm -hmm. Ghibli. Ghibli. People pronounce it a million different ways. Yeah. Ghibli or Ghibli? Ghibli. I've heard it a million different ways. But anyway, if you listen to us for any time for Mikey and Mai's money, I think Mikey will agree. This is like the top of the peak as far as anime can get. Yes. This is like the gold standard. Most definite. There's stuff up there like Akira and stuff like that. Yes, there are things that are shoulder to shoulder with it. Mm -hmm. But as far as worldwide outreach, as far as... Box office earnings. Box of recognizability. Yes. Miyazaki's got the gold ring. under With the umbrella of Studio Ghibli. Exactly. Yeah. They're the Japanese Disney we've said before. Yeah, on for sure. Nerd Talk Radio. So we decided that it's not so much a reassumption or an assumption. This is one of our things we've done before. It's almost like an eight slice extravaganza in a way. In a way. But we basically said, let's talk about each of our favorite Movies. Yes. Let's pick a favorite. You're going to have to pick a favorite child. Yeah. Because it's super hard with this with <laughs> because most of these movies are 90 plus on Rotten Tomatoes. They're classics in a lot of ways because they've been around for a long time. Mm-hmm. But we're forcing each other to pick one. Because of the nerd debate. You're stuck on a desert island with a DVD player or you're yes. buried alive with a DVD player. Mm-hmm. What movie do you bring with you? Yes. It's called Assuming Positions for a reason. <laughs> Uh, in this episode, we've asked Mikey to assume his position on favorite Miyazaki movie. It can be under the Studio Ghibli umbrella. It usually is. It usually is, but there are some outliers there are that some are outlier. under uh, that are Ghibli, but not Miyazaki. Exactly. So we're not picking those. We are focused on Miyazaki. Yes. Because one in the same in most people's minds. Exactly. You are making me think it's interesting, like talking about Akira or your Cowboy Bebop's I think Studio yeah. Ghibli is really the only like production studio that gets name checked. Yeah, because maybe that's a reflection on me. I can't like think of another studio no. blah. Yeah, so like Disney, a Ghibli. Mm-hmm. But for me, this was. How do you pick a favorite out of so many amazing movies? We made you do it. I know. Right off the top of my head, I was like, "Oh, Spirited Away." Done. Mm-hmm. Like conversation over. But then I had time to sit and think about it, yeah. and I was like, "Wait, no, really? What well, is that? My favorite? Mm-hmm. Or do you just is that just everybody's favorite? Is that just everybody's favorite?" Mm-hmm. So here's some context and backstory. Uh, Spirited Away would probably win in that it's the one I've seen the most. Right. So it gets that checkbox. Mm-hmm. But does that mean favorite? Not necessarily. But I did get into Miyazaki as like just pop commercial way. I saw Princess Mononoke when there was a big push for it in American theaters. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, that was when the wave for him to come to the U.S. started, I think. Maybe. Because what happened is I uh, saw Princess Mononoke, loved it. 
Mm. Saw that Spirited Away was coming out. Love that one more than Princess Mononoke. Mm-hmm. So just being the second movie that was better, it was like, ooh, instant favorite. Mm-hmm. Now that I have two to compare against each other. But I was the dumb Miyazaki fan. I had no idea about My Neighbor Totoro. I had no idea about Kiki's Delivery Service. Right. None of that stuff. So I came into the game with Princess Mononoke and just went from there. Yeah. Howl's Moving Castle was the one, like, I stood in line for the movie, probably went at midnight type of deal. Mm -hmm. I don't remember the specifics, but I remember being excited for that movie. So I I was there for all the big hits. But then I was was like, what's in his back catalog? Yeah. And I saw Porco Rosso. Mm -hmm. And I saw a pig in a plane on the cover. (laughs) And I was like, I'm on board. Cover and name. Porco Rosso. Hey, Italiano. Mm Mm-hmm. And this is the movie we're talking about today because this is the movie that just completely blew my mind and opened the gateway to Miyazaki as a whole. And and like, he has this entire body of work. So have fun following down this ginormous rabbit hole. Right, right. And that was Porco Rosso because, well, no, like, absolutely no shade against Mononoke, Spirited Away, Howl's Moving Castle. Those were the big hits. Those were the ones that, like, darlings, for good reason. Mm-hmm. This was sort of the sleeper hit, but also just the same quality. Ooh. But we got Porco Rosso. Originally came out in 1994. Um, yep. But I, when I went back to see it because of the timing of it, I was able to watch Disney did an English dub of it yes. in 2005. Right. And that was the easiest one for me to access. Mm-hmm. And that's the one I went back and rewatched to get ready for this. Yes. And that's the one I, I have in my mind when I'm talking Porco Rosso. Yeah, there's three versions of Porco Rosso. Yes. There's the original Japanese version. <laughs> yep. There's the Japanese Airlines version, <laughs> which was the original, original version. And you kind of went in the same, yes. Yeah, because it was released on Japan Airlines before it was even in theaters. Yes. It was an in-flight movie. And so that was in English and Japanese. Mm -hmm. So that's the original, original. And then I guess with, like you said, with Mononoke, with the the Miyazaki invasion, (laughs) I guess we call it. The The stateside push. Yeah, in the early 2000s. Yes. Disney got a hold of this and dubbed it. And this is the one, the only one I was able to find too. I was, I looked to see if it had any alternatives. Mm-hmm. I couldn't find it. All I can find is that Disney version. Yep. The only other English one that exists is from the the airline one, mm-hmm. but they re-released it in a collection in like a couple years later. Yeah. But that airline one is so funny because this whole thing started out. It was supposed to be just like an in-flight sort of like short movie, yeah. like here's here's a neat thing about planes while you're sitting on a plane, yeah, ready to do plane stuff. And he he enjoyed making it so much. He's like, I can make this an entire movie, and he did. And mm-hmm. the airplane liked the idea so much they funded it, like at least part of it. Yeah. They were sponsors for it. They were mm-hmm. like, planes are cool, and they made a whole movie. But the English dub, so we always talk about subs versus dubs. Yeah, I couldn't even watch it subbed. Like I said, the version that I found, you couldn't even put it on. Oh, I got you. Japanese with English subtitles. Yeah. Uh, I think, yeah, you'd have to own the media to be able yeah. to do the, the actual subbed one. Yeah. Um, this is an amazing English cast. It really is. I mean, yeah, it's got Disney behind it, but they didn't go too overboard. They went, like, pitch perfect in my mind. We got Michael Keaton as, as the main pig, the head honcho, as Porco <laughs> Rosso. What do you think of Michael Keaton? You know what? When I started watching this, because I think that I saw this, like... Oh, yeah. Give me your context for... Porco Rosso. See, and I've told you before, and I'm not trying to scoreboard. Sometimes it comes across as scoreboarding. I'm not trying to scoreboard. It just stuff happens in your life. Yes. 
And when I was at working at Toys R Us in the 90s, I worked with some guy who was the crazy anime import guy. Oh, yeah. He would yeah, he would give you the special box treasure. Yeah, and he just was an anime import guy. And at the same time, I had a Dungeons & Dragons group, so we knew about some of the stuff already, <laughs> you know, between like heavy metal and just that kind of just watching animated stuff wasn't far from the norm for us. So <laughs> this guy would give me VHS tapes and we'd watch, I'd watch them with, with them. Yes. I think that this was one of the ones that he gave me and it must've been that original English dub. I believe it. The airline one. I don't know where he was getting these. I mean, come on, there was no internet really back then. I think he was ordering them out of the back of magazines or something crazy like that. But it would make sense that this would be one of them because for all reports, it seems like this was popular despite being having the whole airline backstory. Right. So, at least in Japan, I mean. Exactly. Yeah. I don't even know where he got most of this <laughs> stuff. It was crazy. But I remember seeing it, and I couldn't tell you if I had, because this was 2005 when they did the thing, and I, yep. can't, I can't remember seeing it between that 2005 and now. I got you. It means that the fact that I've seen it before means I saw it pre- <laughs> 2005 dub. Yeah, from your only other main anime source. So I started watching it, and I didn't even like think to look who the voice actors were. So it wasn't until I was about <laughs> like a third way through the movie that I was like, I wonder who does the voices of this. And the reason why... I know, I think I know why. Who? Whose voice was it? There's only one that if you're an American, you it stands out. You're like, I yeah. know that voice. Raymond! Yes, it it was it was gum gum for the dum dum. I was like, "Hey, that sounds like the tiki head." Yes. In wait, no, that sounds like the fish. In oh wait, <laughs> that sounds like Raymond's brother. Is that Brad Garrett? <laughs> for having a deep voice, he has a very distinct deep voice. Yes. And you hear it, and you're like, "Oh, that's awesome." Yeah. So I then I looked it up just to see if that was Brad Garrett, and then I went. Michael Keaton, that is Batman. It really is. And I was like, Carrie Elways, oh, he's doing a voice. And he's then, having fun doing a and voice. And then also Kimberly Williams, odd choice, but I guess so. It's just like I wouldn't have yeah. been able to pick her voice out of a lineup. No. Yeah. Just. But if you hear the name and picture the face and yeah. then you hear it, you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. I get it. I get it. Um, but yeah, Michael Keaton's perfect for this character. And yeah. Especially because this is also, 2005 is also before the main Keaton renaissance, the Keatonaissance. Oh. Before like Spider-Man and now he's in the Flash. He's oh, the whole yeah. reason I want to go see the Flash. Yeah. His voice is perfect for the bounty hunter, gruff, air pilot pig, mm -hmm. you know, that's it settled down in life, made his own thing. He's like, ah, I, I, I found my piece. Leave me alone. Yeah. Unless you're a pirate, then I'm going to get you. Quit being a pirate. Okay, bye. Well, it's funny because one of my kids came in the room in between and like sat down for a little bit because he had never seen it before. Mm -hmm. And he was like, why is he the only one who's a pig? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you walk into it blind, like not yeah. even getting to see the title card. But even as the audience, it never, I mean, it just starts the movie. It's yeah. like, here's a pig man. Yeah, it explains it, you know, explains it eventually. But, in bits and pieces. But it, <laughs> but it is kind of like you're like, come nobody cares he's a pig <laughs> did either of your boys sit and stay and watch it or it was just passing by and talking about it it was it was passing by they had stuff to do <laughs> but they were like oh how can we watch this and i was like yeah watch it 
Speaking of dubs, though, and this is according to Miyazaki himself, is that one, he calls this the silly little pig movie whenever he mm-hmm. talks about it in like interviews and stuff. Because yeah. he's like, ah, yeah, I was having fun. He doesn't think it's his best, but apparently he like he he's glad that people like it, yeah. even though he doesn't get it. He's an interesting guy. He really is. The, he's an interesting guy in interviews. He's very much an artist in, in every sense of the way. Oh, very much so. I mean, top to bottom. Mm-hmm. And he has that, I love this, I hate this type stuff with all his work. Yes. Like every good artist I've ever known. Yeah. I've never met an extremely talented artist who didn't think his stuff was junk. Or like if given the chance to go back would like have one tweak. You exactly. Know? Yeah. Or just like, you know, I don't know why people like this. That <laughs> whole like even George Lucas had that problem. Yeah. Too. But but he, he holds this in his heart still a little bit. He does call it his silly little pig movie. Yeah. But he says his favorite version of it is a French dub and Porco Rosso is played by Jean Renault. Oh. Leon the Professional. Oh. Okay, yeah. yeah. That sounds amazing. But I even like Googling it on purpose, it is impossible to find that wow. French. And not that I understand French anyway, but I know. I would like to hear the inflection. I would too. Yeah. That's that's funny. Yeah. I mean if if somebody's out there a secret box anime guy like Kevin's friend, yeah, right. let us know. It's weird how the internet can fail you sometimes. It, there it are seems bl- like yeah, yeah. There are blind spots. <laughs> there are, maybe you have to go on the dark web for that one. No, it means like a server died somewhere. It's like, oh, that's sad. No, it's true. <laughs> Lost to the digital uh, uh, apocalypse. Let me ask you, I don't know if you want to wait till the end or if I, or I just want to ask you now, what in this stands out to you above his other ones? That, yeah, okay. That makes it, you know, mm-hmm. more your, your favorite one. Because I can think of a number of things that I like that stand out. Yes. But I'd like to see what makes it the best for you because this isn't my pick yeah it's me it's, it's your pick <laughs> but i could see how someone could get there because th- this to me is a very unique miyazaki movie it's very unique yeah yeah i'm with you at the same time not but there are specific things that make it better just because it is unique. yeah I, I mean obviously spoilers for the movie and but i mean spoilers for my verdict on this i am picking my favorite so yeah, this yeah, is yeah. this is the eight out of eight all toppings yeah. put a, whatever japanese sauces you want on yeah. there teriyaki oil oh, let's go all day even <laughs> put some eel on there that's fine mm-hmm. but for this one like i said this was the movie that opened the floodgates mm-hmm. to the rest of his movies because uh princess mononoke cool but still like anime weird in the forest with creatures yeah man versus nature mm-hmm. awesome uh spirited away man versus ghost versus childhood memories yeah still weird japanese mm-hmm. very good and same thing with how's moving castle i mean right. it's a moving castle there's dragons there's a, f- a little flame that talks mm-hmm. beautiful delightful weird in japanese Porco Rosso, this is Indiana Jones. Right. This is Casablanca. Right. This is an homage and a loving, a love letter to old Hollywood cinema, mm-hmm. action movie, like mm-hmm. romance, all of it. Like, come see a movie, kid. We're, we're putting you in the picture. It's this type of movie. Set in, as a period piece, which is very good, uh, done by a dude who had an honest, almost peculiar love of planes. Yeah. And it it shows like this movie is about planes, like <laughs> as paid for by an airplane company. Yeah, but, right. Um, it's just that that the American cowboy is in here, the middle aged hero that is a pig because he thinks he's a pig. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so simple, but it's Miyazaki doing his usual. Here's my theme. Yeah, like right in your face. Yeah, 
Um, but I'm going to be real clever about it. Mm-hmm. And this movie is, for being as sweet as it is, for being a typical uh, Ghibli happy Sunday movie, um, it's hilarious. There are so many jokes in this movie. So not only do I watch it to feel good, not only is it the perfect 90-minute runtime, bingo, bango, you're out in an hour and a it half. Is. Uh, it's hilarious. There are so many bits. When I saw the runtime, I was like, oh, that's why Mikey loves it. It's the perfect <laughs> runtime. Three minutes over. I think it's an hour and 33, yeah. but don't watch the credits and you're fine. Yeah, no, I don't. I think it's I think it's the extra minutes are for the credits. <laughs> now, there's some interesting little factoids about this. This is one of his few films that happens in the real world. Yes. It's like literally in places that you can go to in name. Mm-hmm. The only if. If Porco Rosso wasn't an actual pig, then there'd be like no mysticism in this at all. That's true. Which would be strange for his his movies. Because like you said, you kept naming these ones that all have these like mythological things in it. Yeah. And the only thing in here that's odd is that the guy is a pig man. It's a little bit, yeah, it's the balance just reverse. Instead of being mostly supernatural, but still has its foot in realism, yes. this is has mostly real and has its foot in the supernatural. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting theme. I like it. And then also, I, I would argue that this is the most, I don't want to use the term like broad comedy, because that seems like I'm being diminutive. Yeah. But out of all of his movies that I can think of, it's like, the most straight-up funny comedy one. Yeah, straightforward comedy. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's not comedy all the time because it has some serious themes in it, like he likes to put in things. Yep. And it has some heavy stuff to think about. It's it's like anti-fascist. Yeah. And... Anti-war, which is Miyazaki, pretty much everyone, every every movie. Um, But at the same time, the funny stuff is really funny. Yes. And in in the way that there's like callbacks and stuff... (laughs) One of the things that really got me is at one point when Fio uh, makes a little spot for her to sit and has to take one of the guns out and she's like, I have a surprisingly big butt. Yeah, it may not look it, but my butt is big. Yeah, and then and then like later on, yeah. like it's a couple scenes later, he's like, get your big butt or something. He says something about her big butt. Yeah, he goes, and it's, it made me like, ha, callback. Good one, Miyazaki. Yeah, that's funny. A setup and a punchline. Yeah, yeah. That was a, and there's a couple of there's a couple of callbacks. Yeah, are, all the stuff with the actual like pi- the sea pilot pirate crew. The pirate crew is great. That Brad Garrett's a part of. Oh my gosh! Yeah, when they're ready to like kill him at his hideout, yeah. and he's like, he's like, I guess it's not so much of a hidden hideout anymore, <laughs> you know. And and then she just like berates all of them. Yeah, and they're like, oh gosh. And just like the opening, it sets the tone early to let you know because, I mean, you see that Porco Rosso is a pilot and you see him take off to go fight against pirates. Mm-hmm. And the pirates are taking over this ship that has this cla- this school <laughs> class of little schoolgirls, like Matilda schoolgirls, yeah. all They're wearing like- school uniforms. And they kidnap them. They're like first graders or yeah. something. They're like little kids. But the entire time they're having fun. Yeah. They know who Porco Rosso is. They see that he's coming to rescue him. So they're like, you're terrible at being a pirate. He's coming to get us. <laughs> and then like they crash, but it's okay because the girls are safe. And they're like, we're going to swim because we're in swim club. Bye. You're a terrible pirate. <laughs> like that. And it's a great action scene. Like I said, Indiana Jones because it's seaplanes. But... The comedy bits throughout that whole set piece, it lets you know what you're getting in for. That was one of the scenes that (laughs) my son was sitting there watching, and he's like, oh, I see why this is Mikey's favorite movie. (laughs) 
knows you well. That's it. <laughs> you hear Brad Garrett's voice too is like the the boss of these pirates, yeah. but he's like, "You idiot! What are you doing? <laughs> Shoot him down!" <laughs> I know. They're like, maybe we should give up. <laughs> yeah, it's, never surrender. Yeah, it's it's very yeah. One like, and then like later on, they get their plane fixed and they didn't paint the back end of it. Yeah. And the other pirates are making fun of them. Too cheap to even paint the rest of their plane. <laughs> and that's what's that's what's funny to me is because Miyazaki wrote this. Mm-hmm. He wrote the screenplay and directed it. Mm-hmm. And I knew he was whimsical. I knew he was creative, but. I never knew he could be so funny because this is high level comedy here. Callbacks. And, yes. And just it's very high level comedy. And I'll stop trying to say it's in. It reminds me of Indiana Jones so much because what it really reminds me Crimson of. Crimson Skies. <laughs> well, Crimson Skies. No. The video game. <laughs> yeah. But this reminds me of a Spielberg in that mm-hmm. it's got a little bit of everything. Yeah. It's very earnest. It's very wholesome. It's very right. funny. It's about friendship. It's about loyalty. Yeah, it's got a mystery in it. There's dog fights. There's bombs. There's fist fights. There's yeah. treachery, but it's all at like a a surface level, like right twelve year old adventure. Right. Don't. I mean, str- <laughs> it's it's the bad parts of the movie, and you should you know be worried about it. But at the end of the day, mm. the hero's going to win, kind of stuff. It's really interesting because one of the reasons I read that Miyazaki not, is not the biggest fan of this one, other than the fact that it is kind of a love letter to airplanes that mm-hmm. he loves, yep. and that's the one thing that he gets about it, is that it's not the tone that he usually goes for because he kind of felt like he was like doing it for the airline, yep. and only like Japanese businessmen were going to see it. Oh, okay. So it's not really... He wasn't thinking of like kids or his normal target audience when he made this that makes sense i think that's why he's surprised at how well liked it's by a lot of people because he's like well it's not really my usual thing it would be like if probably i would think this is a parallel i'm just gonna draw you know the disney movies like the black cauldron and stuff Mm -hmm. that seem like they're not disney movies yep but if someone's like super into it Someone at Disney might be like, well, that's weird for you to be into that one. (laughs) That's your favorite one, really? Yeah. It's a weird litmus test that if you say it out loud, they're like, oh, you're that type of person. But Black Cauldron, it's hard to say that with Black Cauldron because a lot of people don't like that one. I can't think of a better example, but because this is like a 95% on Rotten Tomatoes. This is a well-liked thing. Oh, absolutely. And and weirdly, that's where his conflict comes from. (laughs) Because he's like, really? You like that one? It's more him than anyone else. Everyone else in the world is like, yes, we like this one. And yeah. he's like, really? Are you <laughs> sure? <laughs> I think that adds to it because that makes it more lightning in the bottle because in the anime sense, this has tones of like a loop in the third or a, or a cowboy bebop in that it's sort of, it's not family friendly. It's not geared towards kids. No, It's appropriate and it's lighthearted, but it is sort of adult in comedy and yeah, and audience level, it, I guess. You have to like kind of know what a fascist is. Yeah. You have to kind of know what was happening in Italy. You got to be able to understand like a post-war attitude and a Yeah. like been been there done it pilot like that whole main character is it's geared toward an old older audience. Yeah, cuz then also there's like I'm thinking of the historic stuff cuz when he is telling um feel the story you know, she's like, tell me a story so I can go to sleep. And he tells the story of how wow. he became a pig. Wow. And he doesn't ex- really explain what the fighting is going on there. And you see like German 
Hungarian planes yep. fighting against the Italian planes. Yeah, that's all he says. Mm-hmm. He says who he's with and who they were looking for. Yeah, and that's it. That's it. And you kind of have to know, oh, that's World War One. That's yep. the context. And then it gets all trippy and stuff with like the constellation of pilots who've been shot down and killed. And so you say trippy, and I do agree. Very trippy. But also uh, very sweetly spiritual, which Miyazaki isn't directly in most of his stuff. Yeah. Like, there is the supernatural, and that's usually what he cloaks mm-hmm. it in. I think this is one of his first sort of, like, deliberately, at least talking about heaven, because that's what right. it is, like, afterlife. Right. So, and spiritual in that sense, but done in a dreamlike state. Yeah. There's there's people that are mad because they think that the explanation for the end of this movie is that it's all, like, heaven dream state. Nah. <laughs> I'm with you. But it's just funny because that's a possibility because of how weird that scene is. Yeah. No, I think that's kind of like a survivor's guilt thing in a lot of ways. And that, yeah, that's exactly, I mean, that's the most hint we get to why his pig curse exists Mm -hmm. is because of that survivor's guilt. Yeah. Is essentially what it's presented as the most likely Mm -hmm. explanation. Yeah. Another thing, though, this is because it's my favorite, I'll put a pin on this, is that... That scene, that storytelling before bedtime scene, is one of the best scenes in this movie. And it's for the little details in here because the whole thing is that it's Porco Rosso. He's the cursed pig man. Yeah. But everybody still loves him, uh-huh. even though he's a pig man. Yeah, he was famous. Everyone knows him. <laughs> How can you not know the, Porco Rosso. The, the pig man who saves people from pirates? Hey, it's the Crimson Pig. Yeah. There he goes. And there's only one person that knows him as Marco, really, mm-hmm. that we're told as the audience. But... Fio, who becomes his protege and his little mentee apprentice, mm-hmm. um, which is great in itself, but they're they're hanging out and sort of bunkering down and hiding out, and she sees his Marco face and calls him Marco, and that she starts to get she gets the bug, the bite of like, okay, why why the pig curse? So, mm-hmm. tell me a story. Going on the theme of curse and fairy tale, she's like, what if I kissed you? Yeah, and it's very sweet because she. It, there's the whole arc of like she's this young girl that shouldn't be here and can't do what she says she does. Mm-hmm. And he's one of the first one that sort of puts her to the test and takes her under his wing and is like, oh, she can pass the test. So it's taken on that father-daughter relationship mm-hmm. real early. And in this moment... It's, Stay away from my granddaughter. <laughs> quit thinking about her. But this is the perfect, beautiful moment in it because uh, she's like, what if I kiss you and turn you back into a prince? Mm-hmm. And he's like, uh, that's not how the world works. Mm-hmm. And, but she's like, is it because you don't like me? And it's just, it's yeah, very sweet. And it it's, is very sweet. And it's just, and it, and again, he's, even though he, he checks himself, he's like, oh, don't be gruff. This is, you know, this is the thing you like in life. This yeah. is joy and innocence. So he's like, and protects it. And it's just a very sweet moment. Mm-hmm. And then he tells a story about going to heaven. Yeah. Ooh. No, it's, I would agree with you. It's a very good scene. The juxtaposed with him, like, checking bullets. <laughs> <laughs> and and the, under the flame, that's it. He gave me some rusty bullets again, with with a lit cigarette always in his mouth. <laughs> Another reason Mikey likes his movie. <laughs> it's the cool like old Hollywood uh, action star leading man. It was kind of funny. One of my boys said that they're like, oh, they're like, oh, that Fio character has the Miyazaki pretty girl face. Yes, like there's one, there's <laughs> one face, yeah, one face. Miyazaki, pretty girl face. If a girl looks like that, she's supposed to be like super pretty. Yep. She's staying till the end of the story because yeah. she's probably the main heroine. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, you're right. Looks just like Arietti and, yeah. you know. 
Well, I mean, so Fio, Fio Piccolo, great name. Yeah. Her her grandfather yeah, is Pic- Mr. Piccolo. Mr. Piccolo. And Piccolo Plains. Stop looking at my daughter. <laughs> I'm a granddaughter. Uh, but Fio, it, it is like we said, Kimberly Williams. But Na- Now Dash Paisley. I think she's married to Brad Paisley. Oh, yeah. The singer. <laughs> That's what was throwing me off because yeah. I was looking at the cast. I was like, Paisley. But Kimberly Williams, who... It's funny to look it up and realize she's the daughter from Father of the Father Bride. Bride. Yeah, I had forgotten about that. Mm. And I was like, "Oh, that's the face I can put to the voice," and right. it just adds more to the character because <laughs> Theo, as the determined young woman out to prove herself that can, we love that trope. Yeah, and that character is—it's very well done. Kudos to Kimberly Williams; it's very well acted. Mm-hmm. Comes across great. She she's like positive to a fault. Yes, and that can be played. E- as irritating Mm -hmm. and it's not here at all it's played as wonderfully charming yeah it's Um, played as a superpower when she comes uh, the sea pilots yeah definitely as a superpower for sure yeah i really enjoyed that character that's almost one of my favorite i would say it's almost one of my favorite miyazaki heroines now (laughs) i'm with you you know so see if you follow this train of thought with me because this was kind of loose speculation it hasn't been checked so we'll see how it goes but so when, like I was saying, that interaction that she has with the sea pilots, I guess at the end of the second act, right before they mm-hmm. go do the competition, she starts yelling at him like a mom. She's yeah. like, no, have honor. Be good yes. boys. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. no, you should do this. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't be angry at each other because you're on the same team. Yeah. And it works and they fall for it. But there's two things there. So one, that's like the, it's it's like the Wendy character from Peter Pan. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. And it made me think of the Lost Boys, and then I looked it up. That pirate crew is called Mama Ayuta, A-I-U-T-O, which looks like Mama Otto, mm-hmm. but it's Italian for Mama Help, mm-hmm. like Help Me Mom. And so it's like they're the Lost Boys, and the reason it worked is because she was being their mom. Oh. That's my secret uh, context behind that, that whole thing working. That's great. <laughs> it's a little red string mappy, but you know. Yeah. I mean, it it does. You're right. This does have that that Spielberg, and you're you're right to say Indiana Jones because Spielberg did Indiana Jones. <laughs> yep. It has that, like you said, there is when he goes to Italy and it's like, don't go there, you're going to get arrested, and the secret police are following him around, and you know, it it's it actually tense. You're like, how's he going to get out of this one with the help of his you buddy know? Ferrari? You know. <laughs> <laughs> And it was I noticed like the the little details like Ghibli was the name of that on the end it was written on the engine mm-hmm. and the vehicles were actually like Fiats and stuff yeah yeah they, they were like I was like hey that's a Fiat you can actually get the details like if you go look for it but all the plane names aren't like one to one references yeah. but they are homages to like mishmashes yeah. of different things they're homages they they are like kind of like all the planes are like. They're almost kit bashed. Yep. Actual planes from the era, which is really cool. The, it's one of my favorite things. I'm super into like <laughs> history and planes and stuff. That's one of the um, reasons I knew you. this would be high up on your list because I like it too. You bought me the book of Halo ships, mm-hmm. but that's essentially was the inspiration for this as a movie is Miyazaki made a book of planes like that. Yeah. He's just like, oh, a plane. I'm going to draw everyone I can think of yeah. and then make up some. Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> funny. It's because it's, when you look at. Uh, the internet's funny sometimes. When you look at, they're like, they're like based on the a manga he did, you know. And I'm like, oh, it's not really based on the manga. Yeah, it's, it's a, mean, a manga is, a, is the stretch because yeah. it's like educational illustrated book. Yeah, manga, sure. Yeah, it's just like 
because you know usually when stuff something's based on a manga, you'd get you'd get the manga and it would be the entire story. Yeah, there, and that, that's not what this is. No, you're, you aren't buying a storyboard yeah. in this case. Yeah, uh, but it does give me something to put on my list of hidden treasures to see if ever turn up at half price books. Because oh yeah, that's got to be cool as, as heck to flip through that book. It must be red page. My favorite little Italian homage that's intentional as far as all these names and mm-hmm. planes and stuff that we're talking about go is that in the movie, Porco Rosso is called Marco, and at certain times he's called Mar- Marco Rossellini. Yeah. But in, in his, na- his actual human name is Marco Pago, which I think is hilarious because it's like Marco Polo. Yeah. But uh, Pago is actually a reference to uh, the first Italian animators. Mm. Um, they were brothers, Nino and Tony Pago. And their first feature film was called The Dynamite Brothers. And it, it like the first Italian animated movie. And that's why that name is in it. Because Miyazaki was like, oh. hey, I love you guys. So I put you in on my movie. Did that stuff, did their stuff look like that crazy little movie he watched? Because we see him watching another cartoon. Yeah, which looks like a mishmash of the old Mickey Steamboat Willie, yeah. but old pilot stuff. Yeah. <laughs> It might be. Maybe. I don't, I don't know. But that was like, he's like, this This movie's terrible. <laughs> and then what was that? Was the name of Carrie Elway's Curtis. Curtis. He's like, he's like, this movie's great. Yep. That had a funny bit in it too. This is so, this is delightfully humorous. Yeah. And not in like the, like I said, I know I keep bringing it up, but it's so different because most of the Miyazaki funny stuff is cute funny, mm-hmm. but this has actual like, like he's sitting there eating the popcorn or whatever, and like he literally takes the bag of popcorn away from Porco Rosso, <laughs> finishes it, crumples up the bag, and then puts it in his back in his hand. Yeah. While he's sitting, there, he's like, "This movie's." He's like, "This movie's terrible. This movie's great." Yeah. And like it's the American, and it's the way Japanese love to portray their Americans as yeah. as a cowboy. So yeah. this is Cowboy Curtis. He's like, "Oh, a movie about aviation. I love it. I'm the best. Pi- I'm an ace pilot. Yeah. You should see me fly." His also, you should see cool. me cook some biscuits. His plane's super cool. I thought it is very cool plan, yeah. and color branded to him yeah. and his outfit. I love mm-hmm. it. So, what did you think of Carrie Ellis, though? Now that you know that was him, because you can tell he's having so much fun. Oh, yeah, so much fun. Wesley was, from Princess yeah. Bride, going from as you wish to, well, dang, Miss Gina, mm-hmm. I wish I could marry you right now because I'm in love with you. I I saw your face and I fell in love. You're my favorite. <laughs> you're the prettiest. Oh, your name's Theo. I marry you too. You're pretty. I know. He's like, <laughs> you you ask every woman you meet to marry him. <laughs> that was funny. And that's like another hidden theme. Well, not hidden, but that is another Miyazaki sort of sticking point. Is like, yes, my main character is a pig because he's a, a chauvinist male pig, yeah. trying not to be, or mm-hmm. thinks he is. Yeah, you know. But also, we're gonna put some real like typical dumb dudes in here. Mm-hmm. The 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 pirate crew. Uh, Curtis the Cowboy. It's all little different variations on mm-hmm. like silly machos. And right. it's really cool how each of them get like fair due as well as uh, just desserts. Well, yeah. And that's the thing too is that he's definitely not a perfect character as he is the pig. You know, he has a, a problem with a whole bunch of women working on his plane. <laughs> You know, we're not baking a cake over here. And then Mr. Piccolo's like, then late, like a couple beats later, Mr. Piccolo's like, and then we can get working on your cake. Yeah. And it's like, dang. And that whole bit, like, one, it's funny, and then Miyazaki buries it in realism just in one line, and then it, it passes on. But 
that having his whole like these are all the women in my family coming to build your plane is amazing. It's like here's my aunt, here's my sister, here's my other sister, here's her kids, their kids. Yeah. Oh, and the three hags decided to show up. Yeah. Which is Miyazaki. He loves his old three muses and Miyazaki old ladies. Yeah. It's the it, that's the the one thing I, I really like. <laughs> Disney has it too. Disney stuff looks like Disney stuff. Yep. But he has like the old lady. All his old ladies look the same, mm-hmm. you know. Like and like my son said, all the pretty heroines look the same. Yep. And then the Mister Piccolo, that guy's in all his. Mo- it's almost like character actors who he keeps reusing. Yes. It's like Tarantino keeps reusing the same people and his stuff over and over again. It's the same thing. So yep. you get kind of delighted when you see like. The old big-nosed ladies with the warts on their face. Yeah, because it's an archetype, but it's Miyazaki playing with his toys. He's yeah. like, here comes my old lady character. Yeah, yeah. I love it. <laughs> to win some poker, or to earn some poker money for poker playing <laughs> by building a ship. But that was the thing, too. The realism is you, you don't get the context for it, but the context is the men are all gone because of, one, the Great Depression and the war. So yeah. they either died in the war or went looking for work because everybody's broken. Exactly. So it's a one-line thing that explains it, Mm -hmm. but that's it. Yeah, you got to kind of know. Yeah. Yeah. But so nicely done. Mm -hmm. And then it it does focus on the female, like the positive feminism theme that Miyazaki loves to put in most of his things. And in in a different shade, because not only is it the young girl impresses the old gruff, you know, not has been, but old gruff cantankerous dude, now it's like, hey, it's women that keep the village going and it's mm-hmm. women that build the planes and it's women that win the war just as much as the dudes do. Right. You know, it's good stuff. I'm going to throw it at you, um, something we've been doing and all the things we talk about yes. in honor of Scott. Favorite fight scene. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is so easy because the fact that this movie ends with fisticuffs <laughs> is amazing. That last forever. Ever. That lasts forever. Comically forever. The dog fighting is cool. We get to see actual maneuvers and really cool animated, mm. like, this movie's beautiful. It Scenery, is. Scenery, cinematography, is. but in this last dog fight slash fist fight, you get to see, like, from the point of view of the scopes and the reticles and all that, but then they end up in the in shin deep water, slowly running out of energy and punching each other. Yeah. And that being the big grand finale is in itself comedy as well. And I love every second of it. I really enjoyed the right before that mm-hmm. when the <laughs> um, Curtis had run out of ammo and, and, and Porco Rosa's gun jammed. Yes. So the, so he just starts taking shots at him and he's yeah. like, you're never going to hit me. And then like, he's like, Oh, uh, and he's like, okay, and then he throws the broken piece at, and then they just start throwing stuff at each other. And yelling at each other yeah. from like 30 feet away in planes. <laughs> That's one thing, okay, well, uh, that fight as well, but for a movie about planes, they make it a whole lot of fun yeah. whenever they do plane stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's, I don't know, maybe this is just me, but they treat it more like the planes are cars. Yeah. Because it seems like the planes are doing, yes, realistic aviator, mm-hmm. aviation things, but elevated and sort of right. suspension of disbelief. But like the way they scream at each other between planes is hilarious. I know mm. they probably can't hear each other, but then the other thing they do is they communicate with the Morse code lights. Yeah, or, or just hand gestures. Or just hand gestures. But the Morse code lights is so funny because it's still, the characters are talking in dialogue that's normal speed and it's just the, the yeah, fast light right. to make it explain right. like, oh, they're actually telling it this way, but mm-hmm. it's way too fast. Like, Yeah, yeah I know, I know. Oh, I'm having engine trouble. I don't know if I can yeah. help. 
Speaking of how beautiful it is, there was a couple of things that really stood out to me. Yeah, yeah. One of them was, they did this a bunch of times, but I couldn't get enough of it. They do like the glint off of metal. Yeah, Sometimes yeah. when the planes were like far away or distant. Mm-hmm. And then there was one scene where my jaw just dropped. I was like, oh my gosh, this is gorgeous. And it's when he goes over to Gina's Island yes. and does a spin around it. Mm-hmm. And it like the way the camera spins around, I, it was just, it was like, wow. And it was and, gorgeous. And 94, so yeah. barely any computers, if any. That, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It was gorgeous. And there's also, a, there's also I think it's right after they uh, they escape from uh, Milan going down the canals. Mm-hmm. And then they finally lift off. Yes. And there's a scene where they like fly over. They're flying over the land, the land's passing, and like the sheep pass and yeah. the, the rolling and the, the way it's like. I was just looking at that going like, well, this is like some high tech animation stuff that's going on. I don't know how they're doing it. Yeah. But it looks so cool. And that's the point in the movie where it feels like the view is spectacular because yeah. it's like the first time she's been up in his plane. Yeah. You're supposed to be getting like her awe. She's mm-hmm. always loved planes and been interested. And now she's getting into fly in her creation. So yep. you're supposed to be feeling what she's feeling <laughs> and you feel it. It was great. Amazing. Uh. Amazing. So many relationships done really well in this movie. Yeah. Theo is amazing. What did you think of Gina? This is the little bit of Casablanca in here and a little bit of where the supernatural for Miyazaki comes in. Yeah, Gina's really interesting. You know, the they have that, they've known each other for so long. Yeah. And it's very nicely done in like little flashbacks and stuff. And his storytelling is so good. <laughs> like they, they have that old picture of like her and all their friends and he's there, but the he like scratch. He obviously did. There's no way she did it. Yeah. Scratched his face out. Yeah, with the pen at some point. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I just love how she's able to just to, to keep the peace because everyone's so in love with her. Yep. And like they could not like the pirates could not imagine never being able to go there. Even yeah. the one pirate who looks just like Hitler. Did you notice that one? There's one. <laughs> uh, I, I had to rewind because I was like, I did, that's not what I think it is. And I was like, oh, it is what I think it is. Okay. But, but you know what it is? But the, They love doing that. Yeah. But also, too, it wasn't... They, sorry. The Miyazaki yeah. and Japanese animators do like doing that. But it also, it was an era when that mustache was popular. Absolutely. And that hairstyle was popular. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but you had to know... <laughs> But anyway. But it's so Casablanca because she's running that hotel, which which is great narrative. It means everybody that's around mm-hmm. does like her and need her. So she is right. sort of the keeper of the piece. Yeah. Uh, this is Susan Egan, who I didn't wasn't too familiar with, but when I looked it up and realized that she was Megara from Hercules, oh. the Disney movie, I was like, that is amazing. Uh, the reason I said the whole supernatural vibe is because like she's the one that knows his secret and knows all the backstory, but just upholds this bet that they know between them and never gets shared with the audience. Mm-hmm. You know, the other part of the supernatural is that Fio's kiss does come true. Maybe it is the sort of the, one of the bu- the bullet points at the end of the movie, mm-hmm. but we never see his face after Fio kisses him. So we don't know if it, her fairy tale kiss lifted the curse, but yeah. Gina is the sort of the princess at the end that is awaiting her prince. And right. That that's the, as whimsical and the, I don't know how to describe it when Miyazaki does it, but like he loves doing that. He talks about it in interviews where it's, he doesn't like giving concrete answers. Mm-hmm. He likes doing the optimistic thing. He likes right. being hopeful, but he also likes leaving it 
vague, mysterious, up to you. Yeah, the the end the end is mysterious, but also he's he left you a hint. Oh yeah, enough. Do you know, of do you know, do you know about the hint? <laughs> well, I only know about the plane. Yeah, in in the backyard. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. yeah. I think part of the hint too is that. Well, first of all, the Curtis is like, hey, let me see your face. Hey, come back here. Come back here. <laughs> yeah. So something's happened. Mm-hmm. And then also, too, he leads the uh, Italian Air Force away. And then you get the voiceover narration from Fio saying what happened. And, and what, what, a, what a unique... Here's the unique part. That's a unique way to end a movie. It's like she was telling the story the whole time. That's she was it. telling you the story. Yep. Yeah. And that's your resolution is you're getting it secondhand. That's not normally the case. You get to see what happens. Yeah. But to me, the fact that she says no one ever saw him again Mm -hmm. almost makes me think that everyone's looking for a pig. Yeah, well, she said she. It's actually deliberate. Nobody ever saw Porco again. Porco again, exactly. Marco's hanging out with Gina. Yeah, yeah. That's what how I took it. Yeah, and that's how I took. Yeah, I took it as since very few people would know what Marco looked like, Mm -hmm. so he can probably just bomb around fine and. Because we also like we don't know what his eye color is because he always wears those sunglasses, and then when it breaks, it becomes a swollen up purple eye. (laughs) Uh, The other Easter egg that I love to point out and. the one being that you look for the red plane at the end in the backyard for the mm-hmm. people that are like, what happened? You can't just leave it like that. Yeah. Look for that red plane. That, that should give you all the hints you need. But also when he gets punched in his broken glasses at the end, right after being told that Gina loves him, his broken uh, eyeglass frame turns into a heart. You're right. <laughs> because he's in love. And he finds out that she's in love. And he's like, <gasps> "Yeah." I mean, he, you all, he always knew, but... Now that he's realizing with Fio's help that, hey, maybe I'm not such a pig and life isn't so pig-headed and mm-hmm. selfish, things can be different, which yeah. is more of the underlying wholesomeness. Yes. He's got so many great lines. Like, it's like, why don't you fight in the war? He's like, <laughs> he's like I'm a pig, not a fascist. And it's yeah, just like, <laughs> right? Dang. That's and then great. little things in like there's like uh, people that make money off war are scum, but bounty hunters that don't get the job done done are idiots. Yeah. Like it's clever and it's delivered in such a witty like, hey, zinger. But you're like, that's kind of deep, Miyazaki. Yeah. I get it. <laughs> yeah. There's, uh, he says something. I forget. I forget what the line is. He says that line when he's walking away and those old guys are like, is that Shakespeare? <laughs> no, he says, yeah, he says, Porco, uh-huh. I'll see you later. Oh, Porco de Rosa. Yeah, it's good. And I'll, I'll tell you, I, I went and looked at just to make sure I was right. But I I, I, I was right that Casey's Delivery Shows came out in 89. And this came out, what, a few years later? 94, yeah. Yeah. And I the, there's a lot of, because they're flying in that one. Oh, too. yes. <laughs> and I, I got a lot of the same kind of vibes as far as flight stuff. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, this reminds me of Kiki's in a lot of way. I believe it. But I think that this was movie's a little bit prettier than that one. I don't mm-hmm. know if it's because of the few years of technology that came after Kiki's or if it's just the style's a little different, a little more refined. Oh, one, I think it's, you know, because his love of planes is the reason this movie exists, that adds to it. Yeah. Um, but Nausicaa was in close to this time frame, I think before uh, Porco. Mm-hmm. But that was also a, a big flying aviation movie. Yeah but not as detailed and a little bit more washed out. Right. Like a little bit more like fantasy fairy tale. Yeah, I think the thing is, is that I think like his direction and animation 
Like his stuff looks alike, but I also think he kind of leans one way or the other based on the subject matter that's going on. Yeah. Because when I think of Princess Mononoke, I, I get that the kind of like wild flowing feeling. Yes. And that has to be from the animation. Mm-hmm. You know, and this one, because they're making the airplanes look so technically correct. Yes. Like everything else has to be much more realistic, quote unquote. Yeah. So I think it makes it a little more grounded. Mm-hmm. But then that also makes the scenery look more realistic, too. Oh, for sure. Yeah. So it ends up looking, quote unquote, <laughs> prettier. More detail, yeah. Yeah. But not overdone because right. Steam Boy has that similar sort of boost because that's based in like especially Victorian right. <laughs> referencing uh, right. Europe. Uh, and then like the real world parts of Howells are like that as well, like right. the cobblestone streets and houses. Right, you're right. So when he has to do it, I guess they go whole hog yeah. wah, wah, and uh, <laughs> do all the detail. But They go whole porco. There you go. Oh, the crimson pig. Oh, here's a, more trivia. So it also has the unique crawl at the beginning that says... Uh, the oceans are now battlefield. Oh wait, no, that's a uh, master commander. <laughs> it says the time is now World War One or post World War One in the Adriatic, mm-hmm. and this is a story of the Crimson Pig. Mm-hmm. But it's neat because they do full like rows of all the languages at yeah. once with the little Miyazaki mouse. But that's because that's just a carryover from the in-flight movie. Yeah, yeah. because it was international planes. They were like. That's we should cool. inter- introduce it for international passengers. But they were like, when they made it into a movie, they were like, oh, we'll keep it in. It's a good mm. subtitle setup. And I was like, it's so weird. That's but, awesome. Oh, the Crimson Pig. This is, so we're not going to bother doing a pizza rating because this movie's awesome. Eight out of eight. And Mikey likes it. But I got Mikey a gift for it. You guys can't see it. What? But I got Mikey a gift. Here you go. What is this? Oh, you got me a little Ghibli pad and it says Porco Rosso on it. No, and flip it out, flip it over and open it up. Oh, it's a postcard. It's multiple postcards. I was looking at the blank back of it. No. I thought it was a, a stationary no, pad. It's multiple postcards. <laughs> describe what you're looking at. First one is Porco and his thumbs up. Yeah. In usual form in, in the cockpit. Oh, then his little hideaway. I'd live there in his tent forever. Up and then him in his trench coat overlooking. This is on his taking his plane to Milan. Yeah, on the ship. Ah, oh, Fio and Parco in the uh, what was that? Predator hand clasp. Yeah, is that how you would describe <laughs> yeah, it? the predator hand clasp. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and then the full pirate crew. With the, that's the photo that they took right before they all fall over. Yeah, when he knocked everyone over, so it could just be him. Yeah. in the picture with her. <laughs> before we go to the pirate. fight, let's take a nice picture with mom. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, those are amazing. Thank you. You're very welcome. I'd send you one, but no, these are getting, no, these no. are going someplace nice. Yes. Um, High five. <laughs> uh, gift for the favorite film. Oh, and it is the Rosa. favorite. And yeah. if we, I mean, we kind of spoiled the whole thing, but it doesn't matter if you haven't yeah. seen it or if you haven't seen a minute, especially go back and watch it. Yeah. Cause not only is this an eight out of eight for me, it's timeless. It yeah. holds up. It's, it's, it's a great movie. You know, I'd probably give it eight myself, frankly. But I don't think there's many of Miyazaki movies that I wouldn't give an eight to. Is it just out of curiosity, are there any nitpicks or weird things? I of, mean, of this movie, yeah, no, not at all. I loved every minute of it. I think that the, our whole the whole fun point of making us pick a favorite one is yeah. because they're all favorites, <laughs> yeah. and I'm making you pick your favorite child. Yes, which is is terrible but <laughs> also it's fun for the podcast <laughs> yeah you can't pick a favorite child but it's this one by a long <laughs> shot yeah 
Uh, well, you know uh, what Mikey loves uh, in Studio Ghibli. We want to know what your favorite Miyazaki film is. Yeah. Um, let us know. You can hit us up on all our social medias at Assuming Pod. That's Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, you can also send us a Gmail, assumingpositions at gmail.com. Dot com. Every week, uh, I say, Mikey, how do you want them to format the Gmail? Send it on a Studio Ghibli postcard, but not mine, because <laughs> these are mine. <laughs> but send me some more with your notes on it. I'll take more of them. Yeah, yeah that's great. <laughs> Give him more. Porco de Rosso. Porco de Rosso? Why did I put the D in there? It's Italian. Hey, uh, Porco de Rosso! You fly a plane, uh, Porco de Rosso? <laughs> If you guys like what we're doing here and want to support us, you can buy us some coffee. Buy us a cappuccino. <laughs> buy us an espresso. Uh, go to buymeacoffee.com slash assuming pod. Yes. Uh, throw some ducats. It really helps us out a lot. Also, uh, the first weekend of July, we'll be down Houston Way at Bacon. Our buddy Bacon is throwing an awesome thing out there, and we will be out there. At the Bacon Convention, the, the bacon, bacon. The Bacon. It's it's an anime convention, but yes. Well, we'll make sure that there's some bacon there. We can make that happen. Have you ever had candied bacon? Mm, it's I, good. I, I, we have to wait a little bit after watching Porco Rosso. That, that, <laughs> for, that you, feels that feels become, somehow sacrilegious. Mikey's gonna become kosher for a little while. <laughs> just for a minute. Just just for a minute. I'm be like, I'm sorry, Michael Keaton. Every time I eat a BLT. <laughs> Uh, we want to thank you, Positrons, for listening. You're the best fans we could ever have. We also want to thank that guy, Brad, for doing our announcing. Not Scott Productions for our equipment. Jazz are for our music. And we hope you guys have a flying uh, through the Adriatic beautiful week. Yeah. Have an honorable pirate week. An honorable sea pirate week. Seaplane pirate. Yeah. What would the Crimson Pig do? Masters of the skies and the sea. <laughs> Better than any pilot or sailor. That was so oh, awesome. Yes. See you guys later. Parker de Rosso. Hey, what do you want from me? You get out of the deal. We will take care of you. <laughs> That's okay. I'm half Italian. Ciao.